0: Actually, gentlemen, if you can't meet the Nixon standard, the people at
1: home cannot understand either speech. one of you when you speak over each other.
2: That was the only encouraging thing she did last night.
3: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
2: That's why. I
3: got the feeling there's something right.
2: It
3: ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. I'm not that scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs.
2: From the Pacifica Radio Network in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ and 106.7 FM KSO. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. And in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. We're also streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe, as usual, on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. We are blanketing planet Earth five days a week. And I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me. If not you, I don't know. Thank you for joining us uh, once again today for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. Uh, The first and, thank God, only vice presidential debate of 2016 took place on Tuesday night at Longwood University. Not Norwood University, as Mike Pence called it, but uh, Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia. It was moderated incredibly poorly, but more on that in a bit. I'm certain by CBS News's Elaine Quijano, the first Asian-American to ever moderate a presidential or vice presidential debate. Of course, it featured Hillary Clinton's Democratic running mate, Tim Kaine, former mayor, former Virginia governor, now largely centrist U.S. senator from Virginia and, uh, as I mentioned, Donald Trump's Republican running mate, Mike Pence, former radio talk show host, yay radio talk show hosts, former U.S. congressman and now very religious right governor of Indiana, Mike Pence. If you don't know much about either of them, you're not alone. Neither of them are particularly well known. Neither of them have been making much of a splash really on the campaign trail for either of their presidential nominee partners, though, if you don't know much about Pence in particular, that may not entirely be your fault. Uh, There is still apparently no bio page. Yeah, really, for the Republican vice presidential nominee on the official Donald Trump presidential website. Go figure. Mike Pence, Mike who? Anyway, we've got our guests standing by, uh, so no time here to list all of the many issues that were not brought up during this terrible vice presidential debate. Uh, issues that should have been but weren't, uh, including pretty much everything other than questions that seem to come right off of Fox News, like Kihano's dis- declaration that Social Security is going broke. It isn't. Uh, or issues uh, concerning uh, immigration and refugees and fears of terrorism. All of that was plenty of talk about that, but nothing on gun violence, race issues, health care, global warming, LGBT issues, campaign finance, voting rights as usual. Uh, our friend Ari Berman of The Nation has taken to noting after each and every one of these debates so far uh, this year. In, in this case, he tweeted right afterwards, 23 debates. 23 debates in the 2016 cycle, and still no questions, zero, about the first presidential election in 50 years without the full protection of the Voting Rights Act. Now, as obsessed as the corporate media are with the horse race, you would think that issues of people being able to vote might come up, you know, at least once particularly given the number of states that have made it harder to vote this year after the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013. But no, uh, in any event, according to a scientific phone based CNN ORC snap poll of viewers last night, Republican Mike Pence narrowly topped Democrat Tim Kaine, 48 to 42 percent as far as who won. As viewers saw it uh, the, on the vice presidential debate, that sounds reasonable. I think that's about right. Uh, it was a six-point margin for the Republican Pence, a margin of error of uh, four and a half points in that poll that was taken immediately afterwards. Uh, the consensus was clear after the dust settled the email from the GOP read, Mike Pence was the clear winner of the debate. The email listed highlights of Pence's performance uh, on the economy and highlighting Clinton's scandals, included links to other stories about how well America thought Pence did. Uh, only problem, that email and those articles were published an hour before the debate even began Kind of underscoring the uh, the normalization of simply making stuff up that we seem to be seeing from uh, uh, from the at least from the GOP side of the ledger this year. We'll talk about that and everything else we can get to from the vice presidential debate today with my two guests as we are wont on the days after a big debate. We're joined by uh, uh, two other swell fellows if you will. Uh, first up, first fellow John Amato is the founder of the infamous Crooks and Liars blog, which Time Magazine described as one of the best blogs in the nation, and I'm happy to agree with them. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend, John Amato.
0: It's great to be here, Mr. Bradcast.
2: <laughs> glad, you, glad you were able to make it. Glad you're surviving this election season. Also surviving this election season uh, in smart order, our reigning post-debate analysis champ, the one and only Heather Digby-Parton or just Digby as she's known amongst progressives. She's the creator of the Hullabaloo blog, a regular contributor at Salon.com and 2014's Hillman Prize winner for opinion and analysis journalism. Oh Digby, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks for having me Brad. Thank you for being had as ever. Alright, our uh, oh and as usual our own Desi Doyen is also here with us as well. Yes,
1: I am here. Desi. S- there she is,
2: <laughs> another swell fellow okay uh, guys uh, before we get into who won and who lost and the fact-checking and all the other stuff we got a lot of clips uh, all the stuff that we do around here in these debate uh, uh, d- episodes I got to start with the moderator uh, Elaine Kihano. now she's the first Asian American uh, to moderate a debate as I noted and I'm very happy about that that said she was horrible She was unskilled. She did virtually zero follow up questions uh, if she was even listening to the candidates at all. She did not allow the candidates to have it out. She asked questions all night long, which could have come straight from Fox News, as I said. And by the way, I'm going to toss in here. She comes from CBS News, which is run by a guy named David Rhodes, who used to run Fox News. I'm just going to mention that uh, and uh, and that I think she was the worst moderator of any presidential or vice presidential debate that I have ever seen. And the result was the worst uh, presidential or vice presidential debate I have ever seen. Not that I have an opinion on any of that. So, uh, Heather Digby-Parton, am I wrong? Let's start with you. Tell me how I'm totally wrong and, and, and missing the boat on this.
4: No, you're not missing the boat. She was a, a an extremely uh, incompetent moderator. I mean, in fact... Looking back now, I mean, I'm thinking that maybe Matt Lauer got kind of a,
3: yes. a bad
4: rap by yes. comparison, yes. and certainly Lester Holt has shown himself to be the Edward R. Murrow of his day by <laughs> yes. comparison. Yes. Um, this 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 person who I I, I confess I, I I'm I'm unfamiliar with her work, yep. um, so I, I don't have anything to compare it with, and I don't envy anyone trying to do these debates. I, I understand that it's a difficult task, mm-hmm. but. You know, the first of all, can I just mention something else entirely? Which sure. is what was going on with the camera, where they had Tim Kane looking off the camera <laughs> off in one direction, right. and Mike Pence looking off in the other? Now I'm assuming that that is some that was some decision made by the debate commission and the and the networks because it was all the same feed, but it was bizarre. It was I, I'm watching the whole thing. It's like they're looking off in, uh, in different in opposite directions. directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very bizarre. I mean, they should have been, you know, on the other. Side. But setting that aside, I, I got used to it after a while, but her questions were very much right out of, you know, conservative um, you know, news organizations, mm-hmm. if you want to call them that. And in fact, she got the, her economic stuff directly from, you know, that, what is it, the Center for Budget Priorities or whatever, it's that, the one with Maya McGinnis, it's the yeah. fix-the-debt people.
2: Yeah, the com- the committee for a responsible, responsible federal budget, right? Right.
4: And and that you know they've got P- Simpson and Bowls are on the on the uh, the board there, well, and you know so she's asking these questions. I mean, we you know deficits have not been a big issue in this campaign thank god i mean for once we're not sitting around talking about that all the time and the idea that she would even ask about it much less than you know they're sitting there wasting valuable time talking about it and they, the re- reaction was very interesting to me on twitter i don't know whether or not it was in other areas of social media but on twitter i could sense this you know kind of uh, warm and fuzzy feeling coming over many of the reporters and the, you know, what who I call the villagers, the, the political establishment. They were so happy to have this discussion come up, finally a discussion of the debt. And, you know, you could feel that, that you know, there was Pence going on and on about how, you know, we're, we're going to have to cut Social Security. And, and he was uh, criticizing the Clinton campaign for wanting to expand it and on and on. And it was like, oh, God, you know, I mean, in fact, the the whole debate in that that respect, looking at these two, you know, middle-aged, white, male, professional politicians sitting there talking about deficit reduction, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, hey, kids... You know, don't complain. This is what it used to be every single time. Okay, yeah, so now, not, not, you know, just just cool your jets about how you're not excited. All right, not to, to mention what we used to have to put up with. Not
2: to mention that, uh, that when Obama took office, the uh, the deficit was nine point eight percent of our gross domestic product. Now it is only two point five percent of our gross domestic product. But they were talking about it as if it was a, a crisis. We'll get to that in a moment. A John uh, Motto, Mike Pence uh, is a man who who has questioned whether smoking causes cancer. He denies climate change. Uh, he, he couldn't run for president in 2016, frankly, because he screwed up so badly on this anti-LGBT bill that he signed uh, in Indiana. Uh, and in December of just last year, he tweeted uh, calls to ban Muslims from entering the U.S. are offensive and unconstitutional in response to Donald Trump's call for exactly that. And yet... Elaine Cahano could not manage to come up with a single question for Mike Pence on any of those incredibly embarrassing and damaging things from from Pence's career. I don't know what she was doing uh, so I don't know you're one of those uh, white males that uh Digby was talking about there are what, what, what you. Okay. <laughs> That's that counts. That's why. What, what's your uh, what, what's your take on this? Am I wrong? I, I mean, I think just Elaine Cahano just completely screwed up. She was just terrible. Just well, terrible. All
0: they had to do, really, at the beginning of this debate, is is pull a clip from Fox News and and the CBS director, you know, has access to that with Mike Pence on with Rick Santorum on the Hannity and Combs show waving documents saying they found WMDs in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So that's Mike Pence, who's, well, we found WMDs in Iraq, you know. Um, it was really bad. And they and couldn't I, ask him about it. That, that, yeah, go I ahead. mean, it, it was such a bad, like the first 30 minutes, I got such a pounding headache, because the the moderator, did not... You know, use any type of a control issue I don't know there was no buzzers. How about lights? I don't know a sixteen ton anvil falling on one of their heads um it was It was really annoying that they just were talking and talking over themselves and and Mike Pence has this sort of baritone type monotone voice and it was just searing into my brain <laughs> and um And the fact that it was just this cacophony of of this both of these guys talking over each other. Um, frankly, I don't know what she thought was going on, and and she should have stopped them in their tracks and said, "Listen, this is the way it's going to go, or we're going to stop the debate." Uh, it was really this is why you need, you, you know, you can't put first timers in in the job unless like unless the person you know does a daily politics show every day. At least you're getting some training where you're talking to. Surrogates and and mm-hmm. you know activists and politicians, and so you're in sort of the trenches every day. And I know that her, you know, from her uh, CV as the Brits call it, you know, she's been a White House correspondent and, and all that type of stuff. But she was so unprepared and not suited for this job. Um, it really was painful. She, and so you're
2: right on. I, I, uh, and, and I'm not, you know, suggesting, frankly, that this was, uh, I'm not pulling a Donald Trump here and saying this was rigged. This was, you know, to make one of them look better or look worse. Uh, the job of the media is to help, uh, to inform the electorate. And, uh, you know, when you allow these guys to, uh, make stuff up, but to, to lie over and over again and you don't bother to follow up in any way, I mean, literally, the job for a debate moderator, it seems to me, is to either lead or, or get out of the way. And but keep, or at least you know. set,
0: set parameters so that you can do this, or you can do that. Um, I, I also I wonder if CBS was trying to basically, you know, way, the way the Hollywood studios uh, try to build up particular talent to make them into sort of box office so they can sell more movies. I mean, uh, Digby would know more about that than I do. But I'm just wondering the fact that they gave her the, the job, you know, hopefully maybe they were thinking that we can, you know, build up a brand new... You know um, announcer and maybe have a, you know a host to, to be able to do host shows and be a star in the industry.
1: Well, you know, I, I was thinking about that, too, as well, about why they would select her. And and part of that, I thought, was because it seems like CBS wanted somebody maybe who wasn't going to actually be aggressive. You know, that these questions didn't really seem to come from anywhere else but outside, like that Center for Budget, whatever they're called. You know, that's, a, that's outsourcing your questions to an outside group without having anybody else's questions come in. She only sourced those economic questions from that one group. Also, she didn't do, like you said, any follow-ups. You know, her fact checks were non-existent. Um, There didn't seem to be any logical order to her questions, you know, that she'd say, oh, we're going to get to that later. And then she would sort of interrupt them in order to talk about something else other than what they were already talking about at the time. Plus... That lie that she started with, that was a lie embedded in her what question about that? Social Security. It is yep. not going bankrupt in 18 years. Uh, I mean, that's a flat-out lie in the question itself.
2: We'll get to some of those specifics in a moment. I, I, I just uh, So I guess it sounds like we're all in agreement that this uh, woman was uh, a disaster. Just Yeah, the so absolute one other quick disaster. Quest, yeah, quick, quickly.
0: quick point. What is it the moderator's job to pick the questions? I mean, this is a... a huge debate, you would imagine that CBS would have their political brain trust sourced and research the question.
2: Well, yeah, you have to assume that she worked with her staff. I mean, it's not necessarily up to CBS, and I should also note, by the way, it's not CBS who hired her to do this, per se. It's the Presidential Commission on Debates and the candidates, all of whom had to approve, and I'm sure there was a long list of potential moderators, uh, and they had had to find folks that both both of the candidates approved on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sort of. Yeah. All right. uh, All of this said, uh, you know, I I, I had felt early on in the in the GOP primary before all long, long before even uh, Donald Trump got in that Mike Pence was kind of a dark horse favorite. Uh, Ultimately, he couldn't run because of what I mentioned, that uh, huge error in signing that uh, LGBT discrimination bill in Indiana. Uh, But uh, though he is a liar. I find him to be an accomplished liar and an excellent politician for years. I thought, uh, you know, he's, he's very smooth. He's very smart. He comes across like he knows what he's talking about, whether what he is saying is true or not. And I thought, once again, that excellent uh, uh, politician was on display uh, at the vice presidential debate last night. Uh, Heather uh, Digby Parton, your thoughts?
4: well i mean, I think he is skillful i've been following him closely for years too. I mean, he came on the scene in two thousand he mm-hmm. was, he first ran for Congress and he ascended very quickly
3: yeah. in
4: the republican um caucus too he was a had a leadership position before he left and I think he was number three um and before he left and and moved on back to indiana and ran for governor, and then it was widely assumed that he was going to run for president. Right. And he really screwed the pooch with that, with his, I mean, he he took, I don't know if people are aware of that or remember specifically what he did. I mean, he had, you know, after the gay marriage, um, that marriage equality passed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was this strong um, sort of, and it was a national thematic legal strategy to uh, claim religious liberty um, uh, exemptions right. for people to have to actually provide services to for uh, gay weddings. Mm-hmm. And he signed the, one of the most draconian laws the most and it's not just one of the most it was the most draconian law which basically allowed people to discriminate across the board against gay people it just basically said if your religion you know if, if your mm-hmm. god speaks to you and says that you know that that you don't agree with gay marriage you you can discriminate freely well it, there was a, a huge backlash and the state was boycotted and i mean it, and it really caught him unawares because I think, you know, Indiana is a very, very conservative state, and he is a very, very conservative politician. And, uh, you know, don't let the sort of furrowed brow, you know, Clark Gable thing that he's got going <laughs> fool you. This guy is, and, and I wrote this in my piece for Salon this morning, he's the most radical extremist to ever appear on a national mm. ticket. And that is the truth. I mean, this, is, this guy, it's no joke he is way, way out there. I mean, way, way out. More than guy Sarah who,
2: Palin, Heather.
4: Absolutely more than Sarah wow. Palin, and I'm not kidding. He is. He has taken positions like he uh, wanted to withhold um, uh, funding for HIV/AIDS and and funnel it into gay conversion therapy. This is a guy who argued against tobacco being a health hazard. Yep. I mean, this is a guy who calls anything less than uh, hardcore torture techniques for terrorist suspects, Oprah Winfrey tactics. I mean, this guy is as hardcore as it gets, and it is, he is, you know, I'm agreeing with you, Brad, that he's a skillful politician mm-hmm. in being able to appear on a stage and appear to be even halfway sane because he's basically, a, you know, a gibbering wild man uh, as far as his policies are concerned. It's not surprising to me that he wound up with uh, Donald Trump He's a very, very strong authoritarian hawk, and he's one of those that kind of hides it in the freedom talk, you know, that you find on the far right, Well, you know, we all believe in freedom, well, freedom to own guns, and that's about it, because the rest of this is a he's a very, very authoritarian guy, and very much it comes out of the the religious right, and he's a scary, scary person, and the fact that he is able to... Hide that with this kind of more in sorrow than in anger attitude that he has. You know, he's always said, gosh, you know, I really hate (laughs) to be such a hardcore right-wing extremist, but, you know, we just have no choice. Yeah, someone's Um, got to. It's a a skill that he has. And, you know, he performed that well. Although, I will say, and as we go on talking about this, I'll make this point later. Uh, I, I don't think he succeeded in, on his own terms. Okay. I think that he may not have actually gotten
3: what he wanted out of that.
2: And we will get to that. I, I want yep. to get to a break here, but let me ask uh, John Amato a, a quick question uh, before we do, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. But does this debate... In one sense that I'm not seeing discussed very much, but doesn't it almost even though the ratings were really low, there weren't a lot of people watching it. But doesn't it matter almost as much or more in one sense than the presidential debate in that Mike Pence would have a great deal of power if Trump wins? It's been reported that, uh, you know, Trump plans to allow his uh, his vice president to run both foreign and domestic affairs while he goes out and makes America great again. Isn't this something that is maybe a lot more important than uh, folks have been uh, giving that debate credit for, John?
0: Well, I think, you know, it's always important um, who the vice president is and who you choose. Um, The fact that the moderator could not bring herself to question any of Pence's positions um, Mm -hmm. and just out, and every time that he was questioned on it, it was by Tim Kaine, and he just denied it or he just lied about it and said, there you go, you're lying again. Like, he was trying to do a Ronald Reagan. It was, it was a very poor Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. and I thought it felt really, you know, fell flat. Mm-hmm. But um, all he did was basically lie throughout the whole performance. And, 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 and Heather knows also, you know, like, he comes out of right-wing talk radio. So, you know, he has a lot of experience in hiding his extremism into being that, as she said, well, you know, we just have to do it you know, the liberals are destroying everything. But still, when you're talking about a presidential election, um, I think in voters' minds, uh, that's, you know, I mean, we saw what, what, you know, what Cheney did Mm -hmm. with the Bush presidency. Um, But Trump, you know, we'd never, I mean, as we've seen tweets go by, Trump wasn't happy that people were happy with Mike Pence's debate performance, which is kind of weird. When you think about it, but he changes, Trump changes his mind within the same sentence. So who knows? knows? But I think the American people don't really look at it like that. Um, It's just part of the ticket... And that's why by, you know, after tomorrow, nobody will be talking about it. Well,
2: had we had we uh, vetted Dick Cheney a lot closer, maybe people would have had uh, second thoughts about uh, voting for George W. Bush at all back in 2000. Let me take a uh, a quick break here. Uh, we'll come back with my guest, John Amato of Crooks and Liars and Heather Digby Parton of Hullabaloo and Salon. And, of course, Desi Doyen, uh, our special vice presidential debate coverage. I'm Brad Friedman. And this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we've got what we have right now. We do our best on the Bradcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyan and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks. Great line
5: from the Gospel of but Matthew. What, but, from what, the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. When Donald That's Trump true. says women should be punished, or Mexicans are rapists and criminals, I'm telling or John you. McCain's not a
6: hero, he is showing you who he is. Senator, you, you, you whipped out that Mexican thing again. <laughs>
2: So Racist Desi Doyen. What? Welcome back to the broadcast.
1: I think it's festive.
2: Uh huh. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Our vice presidential debate coverage continues uh, with John Amato of Crooks and Liars and Heather Digby Parton of Salon.com. Okay. The the, uh, Jeet here wrote. Uh, on the Twitter went went on a a tweet storm after the uh, vice presidential debate uh, and uh, made some great points, the first of which was the emerging media consensus that Pence won is only true if we ignore that Pence lied his ass off for ninety minutes, uh, he said, "I go. I understand journalistic role to declare stylistic winners, but I don't think we can ignore the fact that one candidate lied big time." Uh, I agree with with pretty much the entirety of his tweet storm that went on and on. Um, you know, Heather, there was a lot of talk afterwards about uh, how Pence had bested Tim Kane, and I agree that he did, but that's based on uh, you know those of us who watched it versus those who see only highlights and or fact-checks uh, where they exist later on. Uh, I know that uh, you watch the media very closely. Is there a difference 12 or 14 hours later now uh, after the debate in, in the way it's being uh, viewed? And, and have the media done an appropriate amount of fact-checking, given the remarkable avalanche of lies, uh, if very well told, by uh, by Mike Pence in that debate? I, th-
4: I think so. I mean, I think that. I mean, one of the things that that you know that going into the debates that was a big controversy was whether or not the the candidates should be fact checked in real time by the moderators. And it was pretty much decided that that wasn't their role, and you know that maybe they shouldn't do that. I mean, people kept bringing up Candy Crowley from the twenty twelve debates with Romney and Obama. Um so but what what that did do was sort of create this uh necessity on the part of the the media afterwards mm-hmm. to go back and fact check the hell out of the things and mainly because with Trump and uh, with Pence uh they just lie you know from one from the beginning to the end I mean it's just one lie after another and I think the media has done that and uh, you know yes Pence Pence is a very smooth guy we talked about that and he was a was a you know, he was a professional He was a radio talk show host Just like you, Brad And he was good at it Well, and they're he, very
2: good you know, those radio. Are you running, hosts, th- are those, you I, I may <laughs> you I, I may, I'm thinking about it You
4: should it. Um, <laughs> Because it's obviously It's a good skill to have You know, to be yeah. able to speak Smoothly and fluently And do that And he did it And I think that Kane Was less successful in that But Kane did what I think He, he set out to do Which was to put Pence on the spot With all the stuff that Trump has said And he did it you know he was did it in a very kind of uncomfortable fashion i think pretty especially for him i don't think he's that kind of guy he's just not that sort of aggressive attack dog type who does that with any you know with mm-hmm. any smoothness but he just sort of launched in there and got all those things out there and made and it made pence have to react and so in the moment it looked like kane was just being kind of a jerk and you know sort of interrupting him all the time and saying all this stuff but in the long term what it did was it got pence on the record denying all these things that trump had said and even denying things that he himself had said which actually surprised me i i kind of assumed that pence might have to defend trump that way but i didn't think he'd just lie blatantly about his own record. Let's you know, I figured he would have some answers. He didn't. So now it really looks, as you're looking at the coverage, if anybody's, you know, watching, you know, reading their, their phones and getting headlines and going, you know, mm-hmm. watching the news tonight or whatever, what they're seeing is this storyline of Pence basically um, lying over and over again about what Trump said, and there's tape to prove it. And Furthermore, what it also does, and and this, I think, was really interesting, and I don't know if the Clinton camp planned this or whether it was just kismet that it happened, Pence ran away from Trump. He ran away from him. He basically, you know, it looked every, the, the consensus coming out of that debate was, well, Pence did a good job for Pence 2020. And, you know, Donald Trump doesn't really care much for that sort of thing. He's you know,
3: mm-hmm. pretty much
4: likes to be the center of attention, and by all accounts, advisors to the Trump campaign were reporting to reporters that Trump was very unhappy about it, and in fact, yep. today, at his rally in Nevada, he came up and said, yeah, you know, the reports are all in, you know, Mike Pence did a great job, and I'm getting the credit for it, yeah. So so this is, you know, I think that in the long run, the, you know, it kind of looked in the long run I think that Kane did his job, which was to he was he was baiting Trump and baiting Pence in a way to try to get them to come out and go on the record being blatant liars, the blatant liars that they are. Uh, let me. Pence ju- in the short run had the better night.
2: Let me. Uh, let me jump in. Let's. I want to play some of these uh, clips here, and uh, John, I'll get your uh, thoughts on some of these. This was, uh, and this also goes to Elaine Quijano, my best friend, uh, and her uh, <laughs> terrible questions, lack of follow-up, leading questions, as far as lies and so forth. Anyway, wh- the question was, uh, why do so many uh, distrust Hillary Clinton? And, of course, Elaine Quijano offered uh, one of her excuses or one of her uh, reasons uh, that that might be uh, and uh, and a question to uh, both Kane and then a, a question to Pence as well here.
1: Senator Kane, on the campaign trail, you praise Secretary Clinton's character, including her commitment to public service. Yet 60 percent of voters don't think she's trustworthy. Why do so many people distrust her? Is it because they have questions about her emails and the Clinton Foundation?
5: As a civil rights lawyer in the South with the Children's Defense Fund, First Lady of Arkansas and this country, Senator, um, uh, Secretary of State, it's always been about putting others first. And that's a sharp contrast with Donald trump donald trump always puts himself first and as a candidate he started his campaign with a speech where he called mexicans rapists and criminals he has pursued the discredited and really outrageous lie that president obama wasn't born in the united states and i can't imagine how governor pence can defend the insult driven selfish me for
6: style of donald trump
1: why do so many americans think mr trump is simply too erratic
6: well let me let me say first and foremost that uh... uh... senator you and hillary clinton would know a lot about an insult driven campaign it really is remarkable
2: and he Pence, went on to uh, accuse uh... Uh, the, the the Clinton campaign several times of delivering an avalanche of insults in their campaign. John Amato, let's uh, let's start with the first part. Uh, the questions: Is it because of the questions about email and and the Clinton Foundation? Kihano uh, uh, asked. In other words, are Americans affected by bad, inaccurate reporting by the corporate media and opposition propaganda that cites it? Uh, I'll let you jump in also uh, to the second part. P- Pence. Uh, Accused uh, uh, Clinton and Kane of that insult-driven campaign. He did this several times. References to avalanches of insults, and yet during the during the debate itself, Donald Trump actually tweeted, "Quote: Tim Kane looks like an evil crook out of the Batman movies."
0: There it I, is. I know. I was a, and he <laughs> called him a fool too. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think the Clintons and, and especially Hillary. Since since she decided to try to get um, universal health care passed when uh, Bill was president, she's been subjected to just this crazy, first from the right-wing uh, fever swamps, the incredible sort of conspiracy theories that, you know, produced today Alex Jones and the Roger Stones. But for 20-some-odd years, it's just been a relentless and nonstop pounding of how how horrible the clintons are without real justification you know um digby and i have a political pack and and we had endorsed bernie and raised a lot of money for him but i, I still i can't understand at times like this, this this visceral hatred that that the media promotes about hillary and it's baked in by decades of this fear mongering mongering and scandal mongering um and and i think um, digby quoted the villagers and it comes from the washington post So, the culture you know the what was her name again heather i just completely Sally Quinn. right it's like they came in and you know they messed up the place and you know they weren't they weren't of the right people to be in washington and um and it's just been non-stop uh, i mean you know hillary didn't have a position uh... in government until she beat giuliani in two thousand mm-hmm. so um... So in that respect I've never seen a politician treated like this or just a first lady, let's even talk about that. But um and it's it's quite stunning and then when we get to the, the insult driven argument, um, I, I couldn't believe that he actually <laughs> said that, but since I have been following day in, I mean you know, minute by minute almost mm. Of all the Trump surrogates that are paid to basically just lie about what Trump says and believes and does, uh, it, it it is not surprising. You know, uh, Heather pulled a, you know sent out a tweet earlier that I I saw and then I went back to CNN where now um, they are the Beltway media is sanctioning lying about Trump's record as a very smart playbook. And, I mean, I was dumbfounded that they've lied throughout this campaign so long that, the, I mean, a lot of the Beltway media has given up. And now they're just the- saying, well, you know, this is actually a great Strategy.
2: And, well, it, it may be the only strategy they they can use here, but and, and as you note, John, uh, this is not to say that uh, you know Hillary Clinton is is wonderful. This is just pointing out you know facts are facts. On uh, all note here, Tim Kaine did not even answer the question that was given uh, by Elaine Keanu, You know, just moved on to something else and going over to Trump. But that's different than accusing the campaign uh, than you know Pence accusing the Clinton campaign of running an avalanche. Of insults. Uh, this seems like what they now do, uh, Heather. Uh, accuse. Yeah, can I just say one yeah, thing. Yeah, what yeah. they
0: consider an insult is by repeating what Trump said, yeah. repeating it back, that's suddenly being insulting.
2: Uh, they're accusing. The other campaign of what they do, when it's avalanche of insults or whether it's Trump saying my temperament is the best thing about me, this seems to be uh, this seems to be the way elections run now. Just accuse the other guy of what it is that you do. Let me let me try to get, uh, uh, and I'll get your thoughts on that, Heather, in a minute. But let, let's try to get into a little bit more uh, <laughs> substance, and I'm putting that word in quotes. Uh, this had to do with Donald Trump and his and his taxes. Uh, if you can make uh, if you can make sense uh, out of this exchange,
5: I am interested Governor. to hearing whether he'll defend his running mate's not releasing taxes yeah, and not paying. Absolutely, I will.
6: Donald Trump is a businessman not a career politician. But why this won't country. he release his tax returns? Well, we're answering the question about, about uh, the business thing. He went through a very difficult time, but he used the tax code just the way it's supposed to be used. And he did it brilliantly. How do you know he that? You haven't seen the How do you know that? A, and with regard to paying taxes, this whole riff about not paying taxes and people saying he didn't pay taxes for years donald trump has created tens of thousands of jobs
5: he said if i run for president i will absolutely release my taxes he's broken he promise. he's broken his first promise and when hillary said you haven't been paying taxes he said that makes me smart so it's smart not to pay for our military it's smart not to pay for veterans it's smart not to pay for teachers and i guess all of us who do pay for those things i guess we're stupid governor pence had to give donald trump his tax returns donald trump
6: has filed over hundred pages of financial disclosure which is what the law requires gentlemen, he's going to release i, I tax need to ask you about the audit social security R- richard, richard nixon, nixon about, released tax returns when he's he under to audit raise your you can't your meet the nixon standard the people at
5: home
1: cannot people understand either one of you <laughs> when you speak over each other
2: <laughs> and we have to get to social security it may go broke any second <laughs> before this election ends uh... Uh, Heather uh your thought that did did anybody get the the better of anybody else when it comes to this tax issue at this point
4: I actually say I actually think Kane did I mean I think that when he said you know look what you're saying that it's smart not to pay for the military it's smart not to you know pay mm-hmm. for you know our roads and bridges or whatever it was he said there I mean I think that's fair enough and uh, you know they've done polling on this after after Trump's you know, unfortunate comment and then the um Revelation about his 1995 tax returns, which came out last week, and people really don't like this. I mean, when they did focus groups on the on the uh, first debate, people gasped when he said that. Uh, That makes me smart because the corollary to that is that all of us, you know, idiots out here who are paying our taxes are stupid, right? I mean, Mm. I'm smart. I don't pay any taxes. You know, you idiots out there are, you know, you're, you're. filling out your forms every year and paying them? What are you doing? Suckers, you nuts, you know? yeah. I mean, I think that that's how people took it anyway. And I think that the revelation that he lost, it, this was unfortunate, you know, if this, if this moderator had been halfway intelligent uh, or informed and not so so driven by the need to get to that next question, a follow-up on this, which would have been, you know, look, He, how can you say he was a great, successful businessman when he claimed a loss of nearly a billion dollars in one year, in a year in which the stock market went up 37 percent? I mean, you know, how, and, and unless we can see all of his tax returns, it's very hard to take his word for it that uh... that he somehow you know managed to to come back in a way that wasn't that was above board and actually did create all these jobs i mean there's a real argument to be made here And it's really an important one because I think that those of us who have been following this race understand that Donald Trump is a con man. He is not a successful businessman. He has failed over and over and over again. He's gone bankrupt. His companies have gone bankrupt over and over again. He managed to intimidate, coerce, and, and con even some of the smartest you know, uh, venture capitalists and, and investors in the country into continuing to give him money to try and cut their losses over time with him. He's he's a very sophisticated con man, and, and people need to understand that. That is what this guy is saying is smart. I'm smart because I get over, and the rest of you people are a bunch of idiots for, you know, being honest, upright citizens. And I can't believe that people are actually, you know, they're they're going to these rallies and cheering all this stuff and I'm just going god you people, you know, you are the biggest marks.
2: <laughs> yes, they well they are and well, and it's all but uh, Heather, it's it's 50-50. Uh, uh Trump oh, Trump may have used his 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 charitable foundation as a uh, slush fund, but hey, there's the Hillary uh, the the Bill and Hillary Clinton Foundation. Let me play very quick uh two clips before we get to our next break here and uh, John I'll get your thoughts on this. Uh Pence uh, talking about uh, the issue, the taxes, and all of that came back up a little bit later in the debate. And of course, Pence tried to turn it to the Clinton Foundation.
6: All this talk about tax returns, and I get it, you know, you want to keep bringing that up. The Clintons figured out a way to create a foundation where foreign governments and foreign donors could donate millions of dollars. And then we found, thanks to the good work of the Associated Press, that more than half of her private meetings when she was Secretary of State were given to major donors of the Clinton Foundation. When well, you talk about the, all these, all these baseless rumors about Russia and the rest, Hillary Clinton, what, you asked the trustworthy question at the very beginning. The reason Governor, the American people don't trust up. Hillary Clinton is because they are looking at the pay-to-play politics that she operated with the Clinton Foundation through a Governor, private please. server while she's you're Secretary of State. Up, and,
2: and they're saying enough is enough. More than half of her meetings while Secretary oh. of State were with donors to the Clinton Foundation, as reported by Associated Press, uh, and it was completely... Entirely wrong, John. uh, Isn't this the problem with bad reporting, particularly from the mainstream corporate media? Those falsehoods live on forever.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's like because in one aspect, I think with the media, um, there's so much stuff to dig into and attack Trump for, and they just looked. They were looking for scraps to go after Hillary Clinton, and this foundation, by the way, what delivers. Uh, how how much uh... Your HIV medications throughout the world? It's it's such a successful uh, foundation, and the fact that they you know it shows the Steve Bannon Breitbart influence on this campaign, where they use the most specious and most you know discredited sources and make believe that they're facts. But this was you know, associated I just, press. I, this I was wanted to associated say, by uh, way, about j- the total tax returns there. I don't know why moderators and even the Clinton campaign is bringing this point up. He can release tax returns that are not being audited. Now, we don't know, even if he's being audited, because we haven't even seen an audit letter, right? But the fact is that he could release tax returns from 2000 to 2008. Um, and we can look at those, but he refuses to release anything, and I think that they should be attacking that part of this whole, I won't release my tax return.
2: Well, right. I mean, he could also, legally, has no problem releasing tax returns that are under right. audit. But yeah, does, and I just wanted to
1: point out really quick that that AP reporting that Pence referred to was a tweet that was later deleted by AP for being wrong. Right. So, so, thanks, two, AP.
2: Two weeks later, but it pointed yeah. to one of their articles right, but the that tweet reported itself something Yeah, was yeah, And, and was so they, they, wrong. they
1: wrongly characterized yeah. what their article was. So, you know, hey, thanks, AP. You must be so proud. it was a small
0: be, sample of a visitor's log. And then out of that small sample, then they, they, they just, you know, they, they right. took like a month worth, or whatever. You know, and said, "Oh wow, well, fifty It's like, well, fifty percent of ten percent of three percent actually were donors. You know, it was like one of those things.
2: Well, and they also right, and they also didn't include all of the actual diplomats and uh, for, that she met with. Those weren't included at all. So it was actually a really small percent. It was like three percent of the people she met with. Very quickly before the break, let, let's get to clip number eleven here. Here's uh, Tim Kaine's response to uh, Mike Pence's charges. Uh, about the Clinton Foundation.
5: The Clinton Foundation is one of the highest rated charities in the world. It gets higher rankings for its charity than the American Red Cross does. And the State Department did an investigation, and they concluded that everything Hillary Clinton did as Secretary of State was completely in the interests of the United States. But let's compare this now with the Trump Organization and the Trump Foundation. Conflict of interest could only be known if Donald Trump would release his tax returns. He's refused to do it. And remember, the Trump Organization is not a nonprofit. It's putting money into Donald Trump's pockets and into the pockets of his children. In addition, Donald Trump has a foundation. The foundation was just fined for illegally contributing foundation dollars to a political campaign of a Florida attorney general. They made an illegal contribution, and then they tried to hide it by disguising it as somebody else, This is the difference between a foundation that does good work and a secretary of state who acted in accord with American interests and somebody who is conflicted in doing work around the world and won't share with the American public what he's doing and what those conflicts are.
2: Now again, I, I don't think uh, Tim Kaine did particularly well in my opinion in the debate, but at least uh, but I thought this was an excellent moment, and at least it was actually accurate. That was nice to see. Uh, Heather, uh, your thoughts? I got thirty seconds before I got a break here.
4: <laughs> well, that was a, That was a very important moment, actually. I think, and I don't know whether it was, it was important at least for the record. Uh, right. Trump, yep. the Trump organization. And the fact that he won't release his tax returns, or, and that won't even be enough, refuses to uh, uh, reveal his, the conflicts of interest that he is, is definitely has all over the world. And he refuses to give up his company and says he's just going to turn it over to the kids and I promise I won't have anything to do with it. It's disqualifying. He cannot be president with those those conflicts of interest. Every foreign policy decision he would make would be tainted by the fact that we don't know why he's making them.
2: Uh, apparently nothing is disqualifying anymore in 2016. Let me take a quick break and we'll come back with our special coverage of the vice presidential debate. Tuesday night from uh, uh, Virginia with my guest John Amato of Crooks and Liars and Heather Digby-Parton of Hullabaloo and Salon.com I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Don't Touch That Dial <laughs>
6: I was listening to the avalanche of insults coming out of Senator Kane a minute ago. The, the, these these he were Donald. He says, he, he says ours is an, an insult-driven campaign. Did you all just hear that? Ours is an insult-driven campaign? If Donald Trump had said all the things that you said he said, in the way you said he said them, he still wouldn't have a fraction of the insults that Hillary Clinton leveled when she said that half of our supporters were a basket of deplorables this uh in insult-driven campaign. I mean, you, we're, that's small potatoes compared to Hillary Clinton calling and half Trump's. of Donald Trump's supporters a it, basket of deplorables. Hillary Clinton said something on the campaign trail,
5: and the very next day she said, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. Look for Donald Trump apologizing to John McCain for saying he wasn't a hero. Oh, Did on. Donald Trump apologize for calling women slobs, pigs, dogs, disgusting? Did he apologize for saying African Americans are living in hell? Did he apologize for saying President Obama was not even a citizen? of the united states you will look in vain to see donald trump ever taking responsibility for
2: anybody and apologizing
3: i'm sorry so sorry
2: welcome back to broadcast special coverage of the vice presidential debate on uh, on tuesday night in uh, virginia farmville virginia With my guest, uh, Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and John Amato of CrooksAndLiars.com. All right, I, I had hoped to play because this keeps coming up. Uh, this business about the Iraq withdrawal and that uh, Obama is to blame for ISIS because he got out early, but we've every single debate this year it keeps coming up and it's still a lie. George W. Bush signed the Status of Forces Agreement to get us out when we got out of Iraq. Uh, so let me just jump to uh, Does Seven A. Syrian uh, refugees. Kane argued. Tim Kane argued that we should uh, keep refugees out of the country if they're dangerous, not simply because they're Muslims from places like, uh, like war-torn Syria. With respect to refugees, we want to keep people out if they're dangerous.
5: Donald Trump said keep them out if they're Muslim. Mike Pence put Absolutely. a program in place to keep them out if they're from Syria, and yesterday an appellate court with three Republican judges struck down right. the Pence plan right. and said it was discriminatory. And those judges, we should focus those judges upon said,
6: danger, those not upon said, discrimination. Delay, to your point, those judges said it was because there wasn't any evidence yet that uh that that isis had infiltrated the united states well germany just arrested three syrian refugees but they told you there's
5: a right way and a wrong way to do it. but
6: look hillary and i will do immigration enforcement
5: and we'll vet refugees based on whether they're dangerous or not we won't do it based on discriminating
6: against you from the country you come from or the religion that you practice. But the practice. problem with that, that is, we, is the director of the FBI or Homeland Security said, we can't know for certain who these people are coming from yes, Syria. Yes, and, and when
5: we don't let them know, we don't let them in.
6: So, so the, the,
5: the when FBI, we don't know who they are,
6: we don't let them in. The FBI and Homeland Security said, we can't know for certain. You've got to err on the side of the safety and security of the American people, Senator. I understand
5: that the, all the all U.N. Or wants trashing us to all expand the Syria.
2: Okay, John Amano, Very quickly, your response to that exchange.
0: I love that. We haven't found evidence yet. <laughs> right. It's like I, I, it's just amazing, and, and the fact is, it's three. Conser- I thought he was going to bash the judges because they're and they were all real conservative judges. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he is smooth in his delivery as far as trying to make it seem like he's just trying to help the people. But it's really just discriminatory at the highest level. You can't just discriminate against a religion or an entire, you know, country. It's 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 beyond belief. And the fact that um, I was actually shocked that these Republican judges, you know, even struck down his law.
2: Yeah, it's uh, well, th- my
4: favorite thing, yeah. if you
0: don't mind me just interjecting here, yeah. is the yeah. fact
4: that he says we can't take any chances on. Uh, it's the safety of the American people, but this is a guy who, you know, has no problem with 30,000 gun deaths that we suffer every year in this exactly. country, and more, and that's just fine. It's the price we have to pay for freedom. So, you know, their arguments don't
2: really hold up And water. that was one of my points, my complaints about the moderator, is that there was a lot of stuff on uh, immigration, refugees, all of this foreign policy, and our friend uh, Cenk Uger over from uh, the Young Turks tweeted, there's endless questions about terrorism, no questions about mass shootings, which is a much larger problem that actually does terrorize us. Uh, let, let's uh, Let's try this. Um, clip uh, thirteen. Uh, here's uh, both uh, this is Pence denying that he ever said that Vladimir Putin was a great leader. Uh, here's his both his denial and a statement that he actually made, uh, I think, a few months ago about Vladimir Putin.
5: Governor Pence said inarguably, Vladimir Putin is a better leader. Than President That is absolutely inar- a- and, inaccurate, and, and and I just think a guy I said he's praises- a stronger. He's
6: been stronger
5: on the world no, stage. you said leader.
6: I think it's inarguable uh, that Vladimir Putin has been a stronger leader in his country than Barack Obama has been in this country.
2: Now, we've got just a minute left here, uh, but uh, setting aside the Russia hawkism and Putin bashing that, frankly, both Republicans and now Democrats have been engaging in, Pence claimed one thing that is patently untrue, provably so, about what both he and Trump have said about Putin. That seems to be a problem, but this is 2016, this type of blatant lying is now normalized. Let me get 30 seconds from, uh, from each of you on this uh, point before we have to get out. Let's, uh, let's start with John.
0: Well, the whole Trump campaign strategy is to either not answer questions, deflect, blame it on Hillary, or lie. And that's what we saw Mike Pence do, and um, conservatives are very happy about it.
2: Uh, How does this ever change, Heather? uh, Heather?
4: I don't know. This is a very, very big problem. I mean, we are now at a point where it's just, you know, you can believe me or you can believe your lion eyes. And basically, I think, you know, on the tribal Republican side, they're just going, hey, you know, I believe my... I believe you and <laughs> that's just, you know, there was a, when, after Trump came and, you know, said that he now believes that, that, uh, Barack Obama is a U.S. citizen, you know, during that whole thing, uh, they interviewed some of his followers and they were all said, okay, well, I believe it now too. If Trump says it, it must be true. So, uh, what do you do about this? I don't know.
1: I think I it's know. the ultimate gaslighting campaign. Yeah. You didn't hear what you thought you heard. We said something completely different. You're the one who's crazy.
0: Also, you know, for the supporters of Trump they don't really care it's just whatever he right. does to defeat Hillary or whoever the candidate might be it's it's the you know 10% of the country or however percentage that aren't as politically active as as we are that
2: it really affects. That's the uh, that's the tribalism. Uh, my team overall, no matter what. Uh, that's John Amato. He's the founder of crooksandliars.com. You can find him over there. And uh, my thanks to you, John, for joining us today. My thanks also to Heather Digby Parton of Salon.com. You can find her over at Salon and at uh, blogspot.com Oh, find them both on the Twitters, uh, John Amato. That's, he's just John Amato on the Twitters. And Digby is digby56. Thanks to both of you guys. I suspect we'll be talking to you more Before everything is said and done My thanks also to our producer Desi Doyen uh, And to you for spending a portion Of your day or night with us If you missed any portion of today's program Download it for free as ever At bradblog.com And you can find me on the Facebooks And the Twitters at TheBradBlog You can also drop me email I'm bradcast at bradblog.com That's it Until we meet again I'm Brad Friedman Good luck world